What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Full Coverage Football Show. My name is Jeremy Somerville. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Mr. Drew Ward. And tonight we are joined by a very special guest. That is Mr. Daniel Kelly, author of Whatever It Takes, the true story of a fan making it into the NFL and a former NFL scout. This man is everything you want to look for in life. You want to work your ass off and you want to push to get there. He did it. He's a true story of what can happen if you just work hard and push it. Daniel, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to be yeah, on. We appreciate it, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got in the NFL, and uh, what led to writing the book. Yeah, absolutely. Started back when I was growing up in Minnesota. I was eight years old uh, growing up uh, there and in a small town, and my parents were uh, huge Vikings fans, and I was uh, they had a, a playoff game on TV. And it was the, uh, the Redskins uh, playing the Vikings. And it was love at first sight for me, but not for the Minnesota Vikings, but rather for the Washington Redskins. And uh, you may be wondering why I'm wearing a Cleveland Browns hat, but I'm going to get to that story in a little bit. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, yeah, it was it was absolutely, it was absolutely incredible. Um, it was love at first sight. I, I loved the team. I loved everything about them. Um, you know, just from the, the fans, to the RFK Stadium, the Joe Gibbs, John Reagan, the Hogs, the whole thing. And I was just, I was magnetized to the team, like, like a man. Refrigerator. Uh, I was absolutely magnetized by the team, and and I, I, you know, a couple weeks later they won their first Super Bowl, Super Bowl Seventeen, and uh, I was off the races from there. And of course, here the Reds went to the Super Bowl, but lost uh, to the Oakland Raiders, uh, thirty-eight to nine. And how hard did I take the game? I took the game really hard. I, I threw up and missed three days of school. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from that point, that's how you know he's a true fan. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That that's how I knew it. Yeah, that's how I knew it was in my blood at that point. Um, from there, just just became more and more fanatical about the uh, Redskins. Uh, 13 years old, um, I had a chance to uh, the Redskins. My first Redskins game. They were in town to play the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, I had an idea that night. It was Christmas night. The game was December 26, 1987. Uh, that night uh, before the game, Christmas night, I got an idea to call the hotels in the area and uh, to see if I could maybe talk to uh, some of those players. And uh, so I dialed a bunch of hotels, and uh, finally a woman answered the phone. She said, good evening, uh, Marriott, how many friends are called? And I said, uh, it's extra manly's room, please. And uh, <laughs> he was the star defensive end of the team at the time, but he was sure. Taylor and two best pass rushers in football. And the uh, phone started to ring. And uh, next thing you knew, uh, basically, Dexter uh, answered the phone, and, and I'm like, hello? He says, uh, hello. And I said, Dexter? He goes, yeah, who's this? I said, this is Dan Kelly. I'm, I'm one of your biggest fans. He said, hey, what's going on? And he was in the movie talk that night. In fact, he told me what it was like to sack the Cowboys quarterback, uh, Danny White, which is an awesome story. And uh, <laughs> I love hearing that. And, of course, uh, from that point, um, I told him how his poster was hanging out in that bedroom wall. And he said, hey, why, uh, how would you feel about coming out to the team hotel? Well, I can introduce you to all the guys on the team. Uh, you know, I can sign your poster, take pictures with you. You know, how would you feel about that? I was like, absolutely. So I said, well, come on out. So, so I ran out of my parents' living room. You know, Dexter family invited me to the team of hotel. Dexter family, you know, they're like, sure, sure. And I said, he did. And, and, and so uh, from that point, my parents took me to the team hotel the next morning. And sure enough, we got to the Bloomington Marriott out by the, uh, the Mall of America right now. And uh, there, there is Dexter and his uh, great mother, uh, and his president. He was waiting for me. He was waiting for me in the other uh, lobby. <laughs> so I was like, wow. Matter of fact, there's pictures of my book, whatever it takes. You guys see this? 
Yeah, I was scrolling through the pictures. That's awesome. Yeah, I do see it. That's fantastic. That is awesome. That's all the tug clamps. That's the tug. And then this one over here, let's see if I can see this one. Uh, this one, that's for yeah. Just a young lad yeah, sitting there, man. Yeah, that was incredible. So, yeah, so we you know, went in there, got a chance to uh, see all the guys, meet all my heroes. They, they autographed the poster for me, uh, took pictures with me. Uh, of course, you explained 22 against the uh, Denver Broncos, 42 to 10. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, you know, it's all I did was breathe and sleep and football. I wasn't talking about the Redskins. I was, you know, I was reading about the Redskins. I wasn't reading about the Redskins. I was, I was dreaming about the Redskins. If I wasn't dreaming about the Redskins, I was reading about it. I mean, it was just all the time with Redskins all the time. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to play ball. I mean, the supporting passions inside me to play. And uh, it, it, I, I'm terrible at it. As a matter of fact, I, I played my junior year in high school. And I was the only kid on my entire high school team not to have enough playing time to let her. That's how bad I was to play. <laughs> I was pushing <laughs> I, I, my, my claim That's to rough. fame was I, I dropped the interception. It, it was. I was down. We were down 40 to nothing for our high school team. And they put this. <laughs> and, and the ball was unfortunate. Enough that we're getting kicked. That's when your playing time was available, when you were down 40 to nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You guys had to be happy. A broken leg, chin splint, and another guy was, was uh, had a straight ankle. So <laughs> kind of lost you there for a second. You're breaking up. I don't know if you can still hear us. We may have lost Daniel. Can you hear him, Drew? No, I can't. Daniel, can you hear us? Dude's telling a great story, and now it's getting choppy. I can't hear him. I can't either. Give me a second here. Yeah. All right. I don't know if he notices we got disconnected here, but yeah, Daniel's telling a great story here about being with the Redskins and I'm going to have him call me and put on speaker so we can hear him. Hopefully you can hear him through my headphones pretty solid, but we're going to disconnect Daniel for a second. It's uh, not working here. But yeah, what That's a great good. story he was telling about how he only got playing time because the guy in front of him got hurt, got shin splints. And, I mean, this guy worked his ass off to get into the league. Huge Redskins fan. And I'm trying to see if he's back in, but he's not. Let me add him back to the stream. He is uh, officially gone. All right. He's off. He'll call me here in a second, hopefully. Yeah, what a story he's telling. I mean, this guy... You can see his work ethic right there where he just kept calling and calling and calling. It's a different hotels. world, isn't it now? Like, yeah. I don't know if you, like, I feel like nowadays you couldn't just, just ask for somebody and get through and <laughs> what a different world it is. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's definitely a totally different world. Um, he's trying to join back in here on StreamYard right now. looks like it's not working. His internet was a little choppy. Let me see if we can add him back. Hey, Daniel, can you hear us? I'm going to go with no. He is rocking the Browns hat, which is awesome. I don't know if he can hear us at all. He's kind of frozen there. A little bit more issues, but absolutely great story. Hopefully he does uh, notice that I did send him the message on Twitter to just give me a call and I'll add him on. 
But we got a great show for you tonight. We started off right off the bat with Daniel because we just wanted to get it going and make sure that he was actually on this time. You know, the last couple times he was supposed to be on, we had technical issues. Looks like his internet's killing us. It's a little choppy. Maybe he's having to dial up or something there in Key West. He said he was in Key West. What a great spot to be. I don't care what the internet would be like down there. I'm hanging out don't in Key West. You can't go wrong. But tonight, great show, obviously. We're going to talk around the NFL. We're going to talk practice. I think we got him back. You back? Can you hear us, Daniel? Uh, yes, I can. Do you hear me? <laughs> yeah, you're back. Hey, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I did send you a message on Twitter hey. if you did want to uh, call in if this doesn't work again, if you get disconnected. Yeah, you were telling us a great story about, you know, meeting the Redskins and you're a fan of the Redskins. Uh, how did you get in the NFL? Let's uh, hear that part of the story before we lose you again, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It was uh, it was incredible. I actually, uh, um, you know, I, I like I said, I had this burning passion for football, and I had a chance to early pass through high school, avail of a small community college. Had a chance to intern with Tony Minnesota Vikings when I was twenty one. Uh, he left the channel back for the real world and uh, selling vacuum cleaners door to door, and uh, and doing whatever <laughs> I could to survive. And then at twenty four years, <laughs> and then I had twenty four years old. I I had a chance to uh, work at Bank American Mortgage uh, as a loan officer. You guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah, 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 we can hear you. You're good. So you're a Bank of America as a loan officer. How the <laughs> hell How the hell do you end up in the NFL? I mean, you should be working at the bank. <laughs> right? What's going on? Hold on. I'm getting there. <laughs> so, so, so I worked, I worked, I worked at a call center at a bank, right? And I, uh, I ended up, um, you know, so I was sitting in a real estate law meeting one day, and I was like, you know, what, what, what am I, what am I doing here? My dream is to be an NFL scout. You know, I, I got to go for it. It's better to go and not get it than to wonder what it could have been. And so I actually, uh, these ideas start coming to my mind that, hey, I got a little satellite dish. I can stop by some pens and paper, target on the way home, uh, subscribe to uh, say the DirecTV's uh, satellite package, and uh, for college football. And um, and so I, I started. And uh, that turned into be an amazing seven-month journey. I worked full-time like all day, and all night uh, I got about ten fifty a week. I would I would write scout reports, and that turned into a self-published three hundred and fifty-page NFL draft reports. And I sent uh, basically uh, three copies of that, uh, that as my resume to every team in the NFL overnight mail for another thirteen hundred dollars. I put about thirty-six hundred dollars total into the project. It was wow. my resume, no guarantee, and I went ahead to South and, and West to every team in the NFL. I personalized one book uh, for, for every GM, every head coach, every director, player personnel, and uh, sat back and waited. And that, that's when the call came from the Jets. That is Dan, absolutely incredible. Go ahead, Drew. Dan, what kind of time do you do you estimate that you put into to that work that you you ultimately put out to, to these teams to, to get you the, the you know the, the chance that you had did we lose him again i mean he was talking about seven months he put in every day after work i mean we got that much out of it i don't know if we lost him again but hopefully he does unfreeze there i don't know what you guys can see but this Think about what a story that is to work your ass off and push and push and push. Send out three copies of your resume to every team spend. I think you said thirty six hundred dollars. 
just to get a chance to be in the NFL. I mean, it's an absolutely incredible story. And for those of you listening right and watching right now, listening on the audio version, watching on the video version, go to Amazon.com, go to BarnesandNoble.com, buy his book. It's called Whatever It Takes, The True Story. Hello? Hello, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah, there Daniel. we go. Sorry about that. No yeah, problem. I think, I think it's, I don't know what it is down here. <laughs> this is hey, my It's not that great. You can hear him good, Drew? Yeah, this is part. All right. I mean, you're in Key West, bro. The internet in Key West doesn't need to be anything. You're in Key West. It's a great spot for you. But we do have Daniel exactly. back here on the phone. We were just talking about what an amazing story it is that you put out three copies to each team spent. You said $3,600? Total, yeah. $2,300 yeah. in cash and $1,300 on a credit account for overnight mail. <laughs> and I sent that. That book uh, is my resume with no guarantees. And, and I sent it to uh, you know, all the teams in the league with, with just way back and step back and wait and see what the response would be. That's amazing. And then you got the job with the Jets. What was it like working oh. with Scott Pioli, Eric Mangini, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick? I mean, the guys who were with the Jets at that time that you got the job, what was that like? What did you learn from those guys? A lot. It, it was an incredible experience. Uh, you know, to be honest, I was a little bit starstruck when I first got to the team. Understandable. Uh, you know, being around, yeah, absolutely, because I mean, being around those guys after after growing up, you know, watching especially Parcells and Belichick, I watched since I was a little kid uh, with the Giants. I mean, that was the Redskins' biggest rival back in the day. Uh, you know, it was, was the Giants and Belichick with his umbrella zone and all that. So, so, so being around those guys daily and walking past them in the hallway and, you know, being around them was, was absolutely it was incredible. It's amazing uh, what you, you could know, have learned. What's that? It's amazing what you could have learned from those guys. I mean, I understand being startup, but what you could have learned from those guys is just something that it's unbelievable. Yeah, I learned quite a bit. Um, you know, just being around the environment. The environment was uh, ran like a wall oil machine. Um, it, it was it was extremely organized. There was an extremely high level of accountability built into it. It was extremely high um, expectation to get to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I remember, you know, like like after the first year we lost the AFC Championship game, and uh, Scott Pioli and JoJo Wooden, who's now the director of player personnel with the Chargers, myself were you know riding you know down Orlando together in a car. And I was just, it was kind of quiet in the car. And I just made kind of a, a, a small comment. I, I was like, well, last year was sure great. We were one game away from the Super Bowl. And I, I meant it in a positive way. But uh, the only turned around and he said, I, I don't ever want to hear you say that again. One game away isn't good enough. And the whole car just went silent. And, you know, so that was that was the environment. Um, you know, Parcells are the same one long, all long. So, so making mistakes is really frowned upon. Uh, there was such a high level of accountability, uh, you know, a high level of professionalism, a high level of experience. Uh, they were very tenured coaches. You know, I was also on staff with Charlie Weiss, uh, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Romeo Cornell and all those guys, Mike Tannenbaum, uh, Dick Haley, who was the architect of all four Super Bowl victories, but Steelers back in the 70s was Scott's boss. Uh, you know, so it was just, it, it, even the young guys who were breaking into the building, uh, you know, they both got to start after me, like Brian Gay and Trent Balky were there. Uh, we both went on to get GMs in the NFL. I'm director of pro personnel for the Chiefs. I trained into you know, to his position. So I mean, we had we had stars everywhere you looked, and um, you know, so it was it was an incredible experience. I learned a lot. I outlined a lot of what I learned in my book, whatever it takes. 
and uh, just learned a lot about intangibles, uh, you know, how to look for intangibles in players. Parcells called it critical factors. Uh, you know, some of those critical factors was, you know, was, was a player, was he dependable, was he coachable, uh, was football important to him, uh, you know, were some of the critical factors that, that were, were, you know, intangibles that I've learned to look for. I've learned how to look for players specifically for a specific system, a team system. Uh, for example, uh, you know, if, if you run a 3-4 base defense, you don't want to go looking at free agency for a 4-3 defensive mm. end because they're asking to do two totally different things. In a 3-4, they're asked to hold the point of attack when the linebacker's coming to make the plays and have the idea. In a 4-3, of course, the defense has to do a lot more pass rushing. Uh, so, so it's a totally, it's just learning system specific things. Uh, was very eye-opening for me. Uh, being just going to that with the four straight NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis, being around that, learning from that. I had a chance to attend league training at the NFL league office uh, for a week with a salary cap and, and, and contracts. Uh, so I mean, it was just so much to learn. I, I could literally go on for hours about all the things I learned. But that was that was the most part. Um, and, and really, the information gathering uh, that was maybe one of the biggest things I should interject. Uh, just just learning how big of a deal information mm-hmm. gathering is as far as part of the evaluation process. Uh, because it's not scouting's not just about turning on the tape and watching the player writing reports. It's also a lot of information gathering about the guy who he is and his character and everything else and, and what he's done off you know, talking to people he may know, finding out what kind of guy he is. And now of course as, as the game has, has evolved, uh, and scouting's evolved even more so that you know all the teams are now looking at a player's social media as well to see, you know, if, if what he's posting and what he's all about. So there's just so much that goes into in terms of the information gathering. It's about half the evaluation process. And in your four years, what was the biggest step in your development? How did it develop the most, your role? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. In your four years with the team, how did your role develop, do you feel? Well, I started on my first day. Thank you. My first two years, I was a pro personnel assistant. So mm-hmm. I was I was just kind of did everything to ask me, you know, that, that type of thing in the department, everything from, uh, you know, doing cut-ups of tapes to uh, getting guys to the airport to getting chicken wings. <laughs> I'm not game planning night for the coaches. Uh, they, they would inhale about $400 worth of wings. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I did you know, everything they asked me. So my third season after Billichek and the only left for New England, I ended up being the uh, Jets special team scout. I believe I was the first special team scout in the, in the, in the position uh, in NFL history. And uh, what that entailed was, uh, you know, me evaluating every kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return player for the upcoming opponents for the Jets, and then writing scouting reports on what I saw in the field. And then reporting that, I, I developed a color-coded uh, grading system. So I could, you know, like blue was the best, green was good, gray was average, and pink was terrible. And, uh, you know, so I would color code all the players on all four, you know, special, you know, coverage units. And, uh, you know, then I would turn that in, usually about a 20-page report every week to our special teams coach at the time and meet with him weekly, Mike Sweatman, and he would use those reports to combine them with, with his game plan and coaching preparations. And, and really, I'd be able to identify the colors, helped him to identify where the greatest areas of personnel weakness were in our opponents, of course, and then we shifted our guys around and uh, were able to play to, to our strengths and exploit some of the, uh, the opponents' weaknesses. So that, that was a really big deal. It turned into be actually, I wrote another 350-page book that year. Uh, evaluating. Wow. I went ahead and, and evaluate all the rest of the guys through the league. So I evaluate that season. Every
every kickoff, kickoff return, pump, pump return player in the, in the NFL. I developed a, uh, with Chris Shea, I developed an Excel spreadsheet, like a grading system that weighted all the special teams players, so, you know, depending on how many units they played on, as well as I developed a revolutionary system that I believe can build the best temp in the NFL by using the system and have the most dominant special teams in the league. And, of course, having the most dominant special teams in the league helps the team control the field position. If you control the field position, obviously, your offense is a better yeah, you put you in a better, better position offensively, and you put the other team, the opponent, in a worse starting field position. And of course, you know, so you just give yourself a mathematical advantage. advantage. You know, much like Bill Walsh's uh, system was mathematically predicated on, on a percentage, a high percentage, you know, passing game. The same type of, you know, math applies to the special teams. So, so it was a real incredible experience my third season. Now, during my third season, uh, my daughter was, was diagnosed with neuroblastoma cancer, stage four. And so uh, that was really difficult to deal with at the same time. Uh, so I worked mostly from home doing that special team thing. I was coming at night. And then my fourth season, we had another change of management. We had Herm Edwards come in as the head coach. We had uh, Terry Bradway come in as our new GM from Kansas City where he worked under Carl Peterson. And then I had a, uh, I was basically just got other leagues before the uh, team made the decision to let me go on to my fourth year. That's awful news about your daughter, but it's amazing that you still kept working. I'm sure you started doing it for her to make sure that you were definitely providing for her and taking care of her. And uh, I hope she's she's better now. And uh, before we let you get out of here, because we could talk all night, we could talk football. And everything you said there is absolutely amazing. I hope it's all in the book. I haven't got to read the entire thing just yet, which is great. And you can get that book on Amazon.com. You can get it at Barnes & Nobles. It's whatever it takes. The true story of a fan making it in the NFL. Before we get you out of here tonight, and we hope you'll come back again another time, but I do want to ask you two more things. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Two questions. Who is the best player you ever scouted, and you got to tell the Browns GM story? So I guess it's a comment and a question. Yeah, the best player I ever evaluated. Well, that's 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 the tough one. Uh, there's there's a, there's about four thousand players that go to my head. Uh, wow. when you say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally. I mean, I've been I've been doing this on offer for thirty thirty about thirty years now. Uh, so that the best player I've ever evaluated um, that I've had a chance to evaluate. I'm just thinking. I, I I love you know oddly enough, uh, I loved Aaron Hernandez coming out of, of, of college. I thought that Aaron was going to be special. I thought he was almost had Hall of Fame talent coming out. He was like a you know, he's one of the guys that pops in my mind. Uh, I love Tim Tebow coming out. Um, I, I loved uh, Randy Moss so back in '98. He jumps in my mind as somebody who I really loved uh, coming out. Um, you know, I thought he was extremely special, I, and he turned out to be. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so so the, those are those are some players that just jump off the top of my head. You know, coming out of college. Yeah, we'll definitely have to next time you come on, we'll get more in depth with the Tebow response because that one's kind of surprised me. But I can see the leadership skills and how that can translate. Now, before we let you out of here, one more thing. How'd you end up getting the interview with the Browns to be the GM? Yeah, the Browns thing was interesting. Uh, that was completely on the blue. Um, 2017, and that, that's why I was wearing the Browns hat earlier mm-hmm. on in our show tonight before we froze out there. Um, and and I had a dream one night, and the dream was extremely real. And in this dream, uh, I was sleeping at night, and I had a dream, and, and I was the general manager in the dream of the Cleveland Browns. And it was as real as watching a television show. And I've never really had a dream to, to, to feel quite that lucid. And, 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 and so when I woke up the next morning, uh, the Holy Spirit said to me, God says, uh, you know, write, write a card, uh, write a note to the owner of the Cleveland Browns and tell him you can put together a Hall of Fame staff, but within three weeks of given the opportunity and send him a copy of your book, whatever it takes. 
And uh, so I told my wife, Samantha, I said, well, you know, here's what God's telling me to do. And uh, so we did it. We were both working a sales job in Tempe, Arizona at the time. We stopped at FedEx Kinko's after work. We went overnight and something to the Cleveland Browns to Jimmy Haslam. And, uh, you know, it's extremely hard to get something in these guys' hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are billionaires. They're very well insulated. And so we didn't give it another thought. We left for our, our vacation for our anniversary. came back. Uh, my wife's going through the mail in the kitchen. All of a sudden she goes, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I, what? I, I, I that. Like, I'm like, you know, what is it, like a big bill or what we get, right? They don't know She's like, she held up this this letterhead from the Cleveland Browns, and uh, I was like, oh wow! And uh, so we opened up the letter, and it was uh, Jimmy Haslam's uh, personal stationery, and it said, uh, "Dear Daniel, uh, thank you so much for your copy um, of your book, whatever it takes. Please know that you know we're we're putting together a team the best we can that Cleveland richly deserves, and uh, if you have the time." Please feel free to you know put down your ideas on paper and send them to me. I would love to take a look at them sincerely. And he hand signed it, sincerely, Jimmy. Um, and, and so I, I was off to the races, uh, you know. So that that turned into be a 166-page proposal I wrote over the next seven months, uh, revolutionary proposal, which I proposed that I could build a, a Super Bowl championship team in Cleveland that next year. And of course, they were coming off a winless season. Uh, you know, so so telling, you know, Mr. Haslam, I said, you know, early on in my proposal, I said, one of the things, two things is true, sir. I said, number one, I'm either clinically and utterly insane or I'm about to build the greatest dynasty in the history of the National Football League. It's up to you to decide in the pages that follow. And, and I, I had a lot of outside-the-box things. I believe greatness is defined as being different in the NFL. If you look at a lot of the great, you know, coaches and people that have been in the league, you look at Bill Walsh from the West Coast, you know, you look at something even as recent as the Wildcat with the Miami Dolphins, a different wins. And, and so I, I, a lot of my proposal was very outside-the-box ideas. Uh, some ideas are being implemented right now in the NFL, uh, you know, like a two-quarterback system. Uh, even New England's looking at going to a platoon system I heard today. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe looking at two quarterbacks, um, you know, like Mike Dorr, that does, or, you know, what, what Baltimore did. And, and so there's a lot outside the idea of box ideas. So, so I sent him his proposal. I told my wife, Samantha, who I was going to my co-general manager. She's become the first female GM in NFL history along with me. And, uh, you know, I, said, I told her, I said, listen, I said, I think we need to get more aggressive because part of my proposal was that I was not going to have a punter on my roster. Uh, I was going to go for an every single fourth down. And I had a coach that could do that, do it extremely well, probably better than anybody else in America. Um, and, and that's Kevin Kelly. He's a, uh, a high school coach right now, somebody who's on Billichek's radar, was up the box for a once a year to meet with Bill. And uh, he's won seven state championships for Blasky High, the guy that never punts. And, and he's mathematically figured out, you know, how it works and, and how to do it. And, and so, so I put this whole proposal together and I told, I told my wife, Samantha, in December, I said, you know what? We really got to get more aggressive about this. We, it's just, what do you think? And I said, no, I think we need to fly to Cleveland. She goes, well, should we wait for an invitation? I said, no, I don't think so. And, and so we went ahead. I mean, we invested over a hundred thousand dollars worth of time in it. And money and, and so forth uh, into the project, and we went out and bought you know a nice suit for me and everything with the you know the brown and orange tie and everything. And we got uh, you know my wife Samantha got me two you know got two tickets to fly to from Phoenix there to Cleveland. So we flew by faith, we flew from Phoenix to Cleveland. We landed, we rented a car, we drove to Berea, we got changed, we drove over there, said a prayer, took each other's hand, walked in the front doors of Cleveland Browns together, and uh, the security guard said, uh, "How can I help you today?" You know, at the front desk, and I said, "Over here to, to talk with Mr. Haslam," and he said. Uh, your names are, and I said, Daniel Samantha Kelly, and he said, hold on for me, check the list, he goes, your names aren't on the list, and I said, no, I said, but we've been corresponding with Mr. Haslam, and he said, well, uh, hold on for a second, he disappeared for about five minutes, he came back, he said, listen, guys, 
Um, uh, you're really going to have to have an invitation to meet with Mr. Haslam. He said, let me take down your, you know, if you want to leave your name and number. So we did. We didn't hear anything back at the point. Of course, they had hired John Dorsey. Um, you know, so, but it was an incredible experience, uh, a real journey of faith. It's the first time I've walked back into a building, an uh, NFL building since leaving the Jets. In fact, my next book is to be called The Dream. I'm writing a book about the experience itself, um, and it's, it's, it's a journey of two fans trying to become the general manager of Cleveland Browns and do the impossible, dot, 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 again. Uh, because my first go-around with the Jets, I went from working at the bank to going to you know, work at arguably the best staff in NFL history, and I believe it could be done again. And uh, it was an incredible experience um, you know, to, to have a chance to, to go through that and to receive a letter you know, back from Mr. Haslam like that was, was awesome, that he would send that to me and ask me for my ideas. So I, I believe it's going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of when. Well, Daniel, I wish you the best of luck with that, and we can't wait to read the new book when it comes out. And as being a Browns fan, if you would have built a dynasty here, I would have kissed you, man. I'm not going to lie. If you want a Super Bowl here. <laughs> but I do I do want to thank you for your time tonight and thank you for joining us. I hope you come back on the show. And I hope you have a great rest of your night, brother. Hey, thank you so much. You guys, too. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I would love to be back on whenever you want me. And uh, I'll prepare for that kiss because when this all comes, <laughs> we're going to run the table. I'm promising <laughs> it to you, man. I'm promising to you. All right, my brother, you have a great rest of your night. <laughs> we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. You have a great one. That was Daniel Kelly, author of Whatever It Takes, a true story of a fan making it in the NFL. What a story. And the Browns thing, I'm not even lying. I would kiss him if he won a Super Bowl for the Browns. I'm not going to lie. But, wow, the whole non-punning thing and everything, I hated to kick him off that way, but – no, that was wrong. I mean, the no punting thing was listen, and I've it's heard. Different. I know, I know what he's talking about as yeah. far as the coach and I, and I the mathematic philosophy. Um, I <laughs> just listen, man. Hey, the, he's made he's made it as an NFL scout. Who the hell am I to say that he's higher than a kite on that take? Um, Absolutely incredible. I'm not. I'm not here. No, awesome story. Listen. We'll we'll fix issues because I'd love to get in here and and and, and get in mm-hmm. some questions as well. But but I thought it worked out well. And to be honest, and, and hopefully everybody listening to this, I thought you could hear it pretty well as well uh, over over this. So hopefully you guys got to enjoy that because the dude's got a crazy story. Um, and and like we were saying, some things that like to, today would never happen. This yeah. guy just just did it like, you know, with with, you know, you, you can't call people's hotel rooms and things mm-hmm. like that. You could anymore. Um, but but it was wonderful to have him on. I would love to have him on again. He's definitely he, he's fired up. He, I right. love his I love his enthusiasm. I really do. I didn't know when to ask him questions because I didn't know when he was going to stop. Like he he's telling he's everything. Awesome. And and I felt bad awesome. because. I'm like, I could let this dude talk all night, and we're just sitting here. I'm just holding the phone to my headphones here, like letting the dude talk. Great guest, Daniel Kelly, at Daniel Kelly Book. Wow, incredible. We got a whole ton of stuff still to go on for the show. We're already a half an hour in, but let's move on to our next topic. It was great to little do little recap of that. We got another guest coming up, Joseph Herf, who writes for BearGogglesOn.com, part of the Fan Sided Network. And now we're going to talk practice not a game practice and i can't get the thing to work right now but i'll, I'll get back to it here in a second hey. let me find it here we're having all kinds of fun we're right we're right and here man and now the audio is not working 
All right, let's just work. We don't need it. We don't need AI. Everybody <laughs> knows. Um, hey, we know what he's saying. That's all that matters. But around football, we're talking practice. What are we talking about practice for? Because right now, every time you get an update on your phone, it's something happening in training camp. And this happens every year. We get so hyped up about what's happening in practice. OBJ made a one-handed catch. OBJ made a one-handed catch between two defenders. You got to see what OBJ, Christian McCaffrey did. Does OBJ ever catch it with two hands? No. Who I, I two hands? I, he's, I, the, I mean, <laughs> he, he makes, like, these incredible catches. was like, you could have just caught that with two hands, dude. Oh, and it sucks we're not getting audio on that. Just audio. whole thing's messed up. We're it's gonna fun. fix it one day. We're, we're whatever. But anyway, yeah, I'm sure your phone's blowing up right now. Every time you get an update about the lines, it's something that happened in training camp. It's something that happened in practice. Mass so many people. <laughs> Go ahead. The, the team slogan is dagger time. Dagger, dagger time. time. All right. So that's what that's what's new with my team. I got an update okay. about that. Dagger time. And does that hype you up? Are you ready for the season? Does that make you feel like 16 and 0 now? Pretty super hyped. <laughs> I mean, I'm hyped for football. If I mean, yeah. I just don't. Everything's weird, man. Like you know, we want like NFL football. Right? I think we think it's gonna happen, but everything's just so weird. No preseason. Like it just doesn't feel right. We should be watching. We should be talking about preseason games. We should be talking about about how Drew Locke threw four passes and three of them went straight into the ground. Or like you know what I mean. But we're not. Yeah. We're not. Nope. So, so we're jumping right into it. But I'm sorry to, to get off. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And it's maybe I'm being a little too hard on all the people getting hyped about practice because we don't have anything going on. We don't have those preseason games. But I'm sick of it. We're talking practice. Lions, fans, Lions fans have been crucifying Jeff Okuda, saying he's a boss three days into <laughs> – uh, so it's where we're at right now with sports. I, I just can't wait for it to get started so people shut their damn mouths. Or at least talk about losses and like. I mean, mm-hmm. Jeff Okuda's been. It's been three days. I mean, the kid. Like, what do you want? Like, I mean, like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't. I don't get it. Um, but you know, it, I, I I digress. I mean, it, it's again, all all that's coming out is goofy ass stories and how this player looks super awesome this day and people getting injured as shit. Mm-hmm. That's and where that's we're at. Nick Chubb got hurt, what was it, three days ago, two or three days ago, and I instantly said he shouldn't play another snap in practice. We know who Nick Chubb is. Put him out there game one against the Ravens, and the guy's going to run for 150 yards. But to me personally, though, in, in as much as I respect that, and, and I think that you're right, I just think there's going to be a good amount of injuries early in the season this year mm-hmm. just based off of not having preseason. I mean, these guys can say they don't need preseason, but yeah. – Real, real reps are real reps, man, and 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 I think you're gonna see more. Hugh Jackson will say the soft tissue injuries. We got to present the soft tissue injury, um, and that didn't do well for him. But but in theory, he might be he might be somewhat right. But but those are the things you think your hammies and things like that are kind of gonna be the, the 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 injuries that keep guys out a couple weeks just because we haven't really had live football. Yes, you have seven on sevens in practice and whatnot, but. But this isn't, you know, this isn't game speed, and this isn't the real deal. And we'll definitely get a lot of those injuries because we're not playing the preseason games. These guys are going to not get hit by their own team. It's not going to be friendly fire. It's going to be big dudes coming at them wanting to hit. And some of these guys haven't been hit in a full calendar year. They're going to be like, yeah, they're going to probably slide into it and probably get hurt. But let's move on from this and talk, as we've done every time we preview a division, 
we also switched to a new position. Last week we did our top five NFC quarterbacks, and this week we are moving on to top five NFC this week, running this backs. This week the uh, this week the host. This week the uh, the captain gets to go first. Let's see who we got. So I'm looking at this list. I made it right before the show started because it totally skipped my mind when I was doing other stuff. Oh, Number five. he's not putting in the effort, folks. He's not putting in the effort. <laughs> number one, no. carry on Johnson. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no. number one, Adrian. Number one's Adrian Peterson. But no. It should be. It should be. <laughs> AP didn't make it. But number five, I have Alvin Kamara. Now, Kamara, I was I almost didn't want to put him here. I was thinking about Chris Carson maybe ahead of him. Because Kamara, when he was the lead back, I know I saw that face. Like, the fuck is he talking about? Kamara last year as a lead guy, he wasn't the same without Ingram. But I'm going to chalk that up to just one bad year because Kamara. He was, he was nicked up, dude. He was nicked we'll, up. We'll give him that. And I, Chris Carson, I pulled out of my ass. I don't know who I really would have put there. <laughs> at number four, at number four, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's a stud. Number three, Zeke. Number two, Saquon. Saquads. And number one, the. Best running back in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. Now let's hear your list, brother. Did I ever tell you about the time that I traded Antonio Brown for Christian McCaffrey in a dynasty fantasy league? You may have told me, but you didn't tell the rest of them, so let's hear the whole story. So everybody in my fantasy league and anybody that's in my league that might be listening, they gave me shit and saying that it wasn't even a fair trade, that I was getting ripped off, I was an idiot. Well, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good <laughs> as of uh, August 20th, 2020. Um, anyway, your list is okay, I guess. Dalvin Cook's too high. Um, I At number five, I have Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. I think he's deserving of this list. I, at six, honorable, bench, uh, honorable mention, excuse me, I do have Dalvin Cook. A lot of respect for Dalvin Cook. Um, health concerns with Dalvin Cook, yeah, in I'm my opinion. Much. Um, Please Jones. Well, yeah, he's not. He's not. He's 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 one spot worse than Aaron Jones. Um, but but no. So I'll put Aaron Jones there at at four. I'll put Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara will have a, a better season this year. Um, I think the ability to, for Alvin Kamara to catch the ball in the backfield, just his balance and vision is is fantastic. Um, I think he's still going to be that. That Saints offense is going to be good because that's, I mean, that's just what they do. They're, they're a well oiled machine. I expect it to be better at, at three. I will put Saquon Barkley. Um, there's not much else to say. I don't think I need to explain it. Um, two, I'll put Zeke. Hey, listen, I think, uh, Zeke's going to have a good year. I think Zeke, as some said, Zeke had a down year last year. He ran for like twelve hundred yards. So, okay, the, the offensive line is somewhat a question mark. I know we're not jumping to the NFC East here, but somewhat a question mark in Dallas with some things yeah. that have happened. You know, the the, the retirement of Frederick and just things like that. Yeah, it's somewhat of a concern, but I think Zeke is going to have a big year. Um, and then CMC, man. I mean, tell me, Christian McCaffrey is is not only Proving he can run between the tackles, but what he can do outside, you know, outside the hashes, and and what he can do 
in the passing game puts him at number one in the in the entire league, in my opinion. Yeah, there's not a better running back in the league right now. He does everything. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Drew's wearing a pretty nice shirt today. It's the St. Patrick's favorite podcast t-shirt. That is a full coverage football show t-shirt. And if you like the full coverage football show, you want to sponsor or you want to check out or just not sponsor, but you want to support us, check out our new merchandise at bonfire.com backslash store backslash FCFS slash cheese or dash tease. Anyway, there's some really good shirts there. We sold a few. The number one seller so far is I like Drew and the fat guy. We have it in both women's and men's. And he is Drew, and I am the fat guy, just in case you got confused. But there's a lot of stuff there. We got coffee cups. We got masks. Some, wear a face mask. Rock masks. the logo. Wear I mean, your damn masks. Yeah, so we can get back to normalcy. Although Maybe the, it works. The, Maybe it doesn't. We, I don't know. Can, I mean, I know we got a full pack show, but can I know we got, what, a minute or two? Can I rant about the Big Ten real quick? Just real quick. Rant about the Big Ten. Okay, the Big Ten's a freaking disgrace is what the Big Ten is. So, so you you cancel way too damn early. Okay, oh, hey, we're gonna cancel. We're getting out in front of it. All you kids, you come back to campus here at Ohio State and pay the goddamn housing fees. You, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's not just Ohio State. It's the entire Big Ten. You want to go ahead and cancel the season? You cancel way too damn early. Now you look like an idiot when the SEC is gonna play. You lose out on recruiting. What the hell is wrong with you? And then and then people say, oh, there wasn't even a vote. And then. You want to put your tail between your legs and come out here and say, oh, we're going to play in January. You're a freaking disgrace. It's embarrassing. You're going to lose out of recruits. It's just I, I can't stand the Big Ten. They did things way too damn early. The SEC is going to sit here and shit all over you like they have been for years. It's embarrassing. That's all I got. I mean, it's – yeah. <laughs> I just hey, – come on, man. What the hell is it? And the the problem that I have is, if you want to cancel the season, cancel the season. But since you canceled the season, you've backpedaled and you backpedaled and you backpedaled and you backpedaled. Now nobody even knows what the hell even happened. You're a joke conference. It's a joke conference. It's that simple. I can't argue with the word you said. 100% right. We're going to now move on to our NFC North preview. And we're going to start with the Chicago Bears. We're going to be joined shortly here. By Joseph Herf, Chicago Bears writer for BearGogglesOn.com, which is part of the Fan Sided Network. Can't wait. To yeah, my dad agrees Bears, too. Man. Oh yeah, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Sorry, <laughs> that's that's my mother-in-law. I'm sorry, Kim. Sorry. We got family supporting the show tonight. I got a little upset. I got a little upset. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. They just look so dumb. Yeah. And, I mean, we're still, what, two weeks away from the first night of kickoff? It was, yeah, two weeks from tonight, Buckeyes are supposed to kick off against the Illini of Illinois. and Terrible team. So, Buckeyes would have won that. I mean, they could have put out their B team and still won the game, but guess we won't get to see it. So, let's start off. We are going to go on to the Bears right now. This is our NFC North. 2020 preview, and we're going to be joined here by Joseph Herf. Joseph, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you guys? Not too bad. Hey. Thanks for joining the show. This is Joseph Herf. He is a writer for BearGogglesOn.com, part of the Fan Sided Network. And 2020 Chicago Bears, it's all relying on the Mitchie versus Nick Foles battle. What's going on with Mitchie and Nick Foles? Who's going to win this battle, you think? Um, well, from what I've been hearing right now, Mitch has the edge. 
but uh, again, that's just what the media is saying themselves. Uh, from the first three days, I believe, I think Nick had the edge of the first day, and then Mitch kind of took the last two days. And today, they said it was probably his best day he's had in his career in camp. Uh, he just looked unbelievable, according to I think it was Adam Jans on Twitter. Um, but I think I think Mitch wins it. Um, I think both play a lot this year. I think that Mitch and Foles will play about like ten to six games. Like one will play ten, one will play six, maybe mm. even eight and eight, because neither will stay healthy either way. Whether it's Foles' collarbone, Mitch has never played sixteen games in a season, uh, so I think you'll see both. But I think Mitch starts week one against the Lions, who he's played the best against in his career. Yeah, Mitch plays well against Lions. Drew here is a uh, huge Lions fan, and they just <laughs> dominate Matt Patricia's defense every time they play. <laughs> you know, I saw Mitch uh, about a month ago at a wedding, and Mitch looks like really? he's in the best shape of his life right now. Uh, that's what I've heard. But do you think he wins the job and gets that day one start because he plays so well against Lions, or because they're really trying to hold tight to the fact that he was a second overall pick in the draft, and they're going to give him another shot to start the season? I can see both being the reason. Um, okay. I, I'd say Foles, honestly. Like, I don't know how good the Lions are this year. I've followed them a little, but I think Foles does just as good as Mitch does against Lions just because of the scheme that Nagy runs. I think any quarterback can hit it pretty well. Uh, but I think that they're just going to kind of give it to Mitch if he really earns it in camp, and I think he does earn it in camp. And just the fact that he's the number two overall pick, I think, gives him a little bit of an edge too. All right. And as far as the Nick Foles trade, when that trade happened, I I hated it. I think Drew was pretty much against it, giving up a fourth-round pick for a guy with a big contract. However, I was reading your article today, and you didn't make sense in the fact that he does know the Matt Nagy offense. What are your thoughts on Nick Foles' trade, and was it a good deal when it happened? Well, when it happened, I was probably the same as everybody, kind of in shock. I <laughs> uh, was like, why did we just do this? There's a lot of quarterbacks on the market. People are going to get cut. Draft's going to happen. Dalton's, we know Dalton's going to get cut. We know Newton. I don't know if Newton was cut at the time. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, And then after a while, I took it all in and said, okay, wait. Well, with COVID coming in, it'd be kind of nice to get someone who knows the offense knowing possibly, like at that time, we didn't know how training camp would be, how limited it would be, and uh, how much people would play, if there'd be a preseason. Like we didn't know any of that. So it was nice to bring in someone who knows the offense literally like the back of his hand. Like he, he was with Nagy in Kansas city and that kind of revived his career because when he got sent to Kansas city, he was debating on retiring when he went to Kansas city and then he played really well and then went to the Eagles and the rest is history. He won a super mm -hmm. bowl. And so I, I really like it looking now, even with the Dalton, Jameis Winston, all those signings that happened for cheap money. I still like it just because at the time it was a very smart move to be secure with their offense and to have someone that knows the offense well enough to push Mitch. Because if you bring in a guy like Dalton, sure, like Dalton's not a bad quarterback either, but he doesn't know any of the offense. Like the only guy he'd have familiarity with with the Bears is Bill Lazor, their offensive coordinator, who doesn't even call plays. Doesn't It's not his scheme. So, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I like the trade a lot. Yeah, and I mean, just my question is, as you touched on, you know, in, in it's a good point that, you know, fair enough that this offseason is kind of condensed. Um, people that know the playbook, know the scheme are going to be great. That number, though, at the end of the day for Foles, as compared to your Cam Newton's or James Winston, still has to hurt. And it's for done. my question to you is, is what have the Bears done, in your opinion, to improve what was a, at times, just tough-to-watch offense? 
Uh, they brought in a new right guard, uh, Jermaine Ifedi, who he was horrible as a right tackle, and I won't mm-hmm. even I won't even admit that he was any good. But the only bright spot of his right tackling was his run blocking. He was a ve- he was a very solid run blocker. He just couldn't stop anybody rushing the passer. But when he was a right guard as a rookie, he was pretty hard to beat as a rookie and really flashed and was an absolute mauler run blocker. Like nobody nobody could stop him. He they had games where he was playing as great defense tackles and handling them. And then they moved him out to right tackle for who knows why and kept him out there for also who knows why. Uh, they brought in a new tight end in Jimmy Graham, who a lot of people didn't like the movie. Uh, Jimmy Graham coming in, uh, they have a better pass catcher than they do in Trey Burton that they used to have before. And Jimmy Graham may not be the the sexiest signing of the offseason, but he gets open and he gets yards after the catch as he was fifth best out of tight ends and yards after catch per reception. Uh, he's just, he'll be very reliable for a, wh- whoever's that quarterback, whether it's Foles, whether the pocket collapses and they got to roll out and give it away. He'll be right there open most of the time. Uh, drafting Cole Komet obviously helped too, but he probably might not see the field very much early on. Uh, sure. Ted Ginn, they had a bunch of signings that could help, but the biggest were Jermaine Afidi and Jimmy Graham. Sure. And then uh, we know that the Bears have at times had 406 tight ends on the roster during this <laughs> offseason. Um, but so my question more is the injuries that we've come across here in the defensive backfield and how that's going to play on at least early on in the season until those guys can recover and hopefully see the field. Um, well, Artie Burns, he tore his ACL. He won't be back, obviously, for the season. Uh, but the bright spot for the Bears is their cornerback position is fairly deep. They have uh, – I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Tolliver. Obviously, he's a Bears fan. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Tolliver. Uh, he shined pretty well as an undrafted free agent. He locked down Amari Cooper for most of the game against the Cowboys. Uh, held his own against Devontae Adams. He got beat a few times, but, I mean, that happens when you're a young, undrafted free agent. And Devontae uh, Adams is good. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Mark Cooper, I mean, those, are, those aren't pushovers. Right. I mean, yep. and, then, uh, and then they have the rookie, Jalen Johnson, who many regarded as a, one of the best corners in the draft until injuries kind of dropped him to the second round, and he's still recovering from that. Uh, and the safety – I mean, everywhere in the defensive backfield, they're pretty deep now. They kind of addressed that this offseason and really added a lot of depth to a lot of the positions they were injured at, like strong safety. They were kind of weak at last year and they brought in two guys to fight for that spot. Nickel corner too. They brought in depth just everywhere. They've kind of reloaded. Yeah. There's been a lot of turnover in that secondary and I'm glad you brought up Kevin Tolliver. The kids got pretty fluid hips. He's what? Six two, about 200 pounds. Definitely a solid player. And Jalen Johnson getting him in the second round. I definitely like that. Now, before we let you out of here, I want to thank you for coming on. The bears over under is at eight. They were eight and eight last year. When we've done the previews, every division we've gone the over unders. Bears over under is eight. Are you over or under? I'm taking the over. Uh, my my prediction for them was ten and six. Okay. I believe I can't. Remember, I haven't made full predictions, but I thought ten and six was realistic with uh, possible upside. But I mean, this offense is so volatile that it could go from a thirteen and three team to a three and thirteen team mm-hmm. very easily with that offense and possible injuries. Now, I do. I know I just said we were going to get yeah here soon, but I did want to talk about something else. You know, I read your article about uh, Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. And when we've talked about Cordero Patterson on the show, we basically say the one thing he's good at is he's fast. He runs. And that's, that's about it. all we, he's good with the credit the we give him. <laughs> and you actually wrote an article about possibly playing him at running back. And I think that's mm-hmm. an excellent idea. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I actually wrote that article back in May because the Bears weren't draft, like, weren't signing, drafting anybody that, 
to be the guy. So I was like, okay, well, not, maybe they're thinking Patterson. And I guess that's what they're thinking because he's taking reps with the running backs now. Good. Um, I guess the reason is obviously with depth issues. Uh, he did well in New England when he was playing running back for them for a bit when they had a, a load of injuries and a lot of guys were out. He did really well. He was averaging over five a carry, I'm pretty sure, for them when he had the ball. And, I mean, it wasn't just end arounds. It was actually, like, dives and, like, actual run plays. It wasn't his normal end arounds that he does on mm -hmm. every other team. So I think what they're going to try and do is just give him the ball in space. So, like, a lot of pitches, a lot of uh, outside zone runs, just – give him the ball and say, do stuff with it. Like you do on kick returns. Nice. One more question. I and know we're done, but do you, do you think, do you think based off the structure at running back right now, that Jordan Howard is somebody that they miss? Although Jordan Howard hasn't had much success outside of that system, but inside that system with Tariq Cohen, that was, was something that was working really well for them at the time and could be kind of, I mean, you can't say it completely, but, but, the fact they weren't able to run the ball downhill as efficient as they were the year before last year kind of put mm -hmm. Mitch in a tougher spot. Yeah, I could agree with that. Uh, I think the only reason that didn't really work last year was Montgomery was a rookie and the right, I mean, they had a defensive tackle starting at right guard for the whole year. And that's just, you can't run the ball when you have that. And, mm -hmm. and Massey and uh, Leno both probably had the worst years of their careers. It was just a horrible, just offensive line. And it wasn't, I wouldn't blame Montgomery. Montgomery did what he could. Like he wasn't great either, but Howard doesn't really fit in the system. And it showed in Philadelphia as he was solid in Philadelphia, but they didn't want him back for obvious reasons. Yeah. Well, Joseph, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Appreciate great it, Great job. Of course. Thanks for Keep having me. Keep up the excellent work on uh, BearGogglesOn.com there on the fan side of the network. And have a great rest of your night, brother, and hope to have you back thank on you again. Much. Yeah, thank yeah, you very much. It. Thanks again. Appreciate it. No problem. Yep. Excellent work from uh, Joseph, young kid with a lot of upside. He's written some really good articles there for BearGogglesOn.com. Answered a lot of questions really well. I didn't even remember that they had basically a defensive tackle starting at right guard. I know Kyle Long retired for the Bears. So usually we'd start with the Lions and the uh, last place team in the uh, North Division. But we're going to start with the Bears while we're talking Bears. Great in 2018, as we touched on. They had Jordan Howard. Mitchie played well. They won the division with an amazing defense. I mean, this year, concerns at QB. We talked about the turnover in the secondary. They brought in Robert Quinn, Nick Foles, Jimmy Graham. Names, we'll see what they do. They lost Leonard Floyd, Nick Kwiatkowski, Kyle Long retired. Haha, -ha, Clinton Dix. <laughs> He's moved on to Dallas, right? Nick Dallas, Williams. We talked about it. Yeah, Nick Williams. They lost Artie Burns now, who was coming over Which from the Steelers. They lost him to an ACL injury. And Artie Burns is 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 a not a lockdown corner, but a everyday uh, blue collar lunch pail corner. You would you would yeah. love him on the outside on your team. It's that simple. That's a huge so, loss for them. Yes, it is. So when I'm looking at my notes here, Mitchie versus Nick is the key to this team. I mean, Foles was amazing in 2013, 2014, and 15. He made you want to throw up when you watched him. 17 and 18, he became a playoff stud and got a statue outside Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. I mean, but for me, and I'm, I like Mitchie. I had him as the number one ranked quarterback in that draft. I obviously was wrong. That Pat Mahomes kid is pretty good. I know the family. Mitchie's a good dude. But the best chance for the Bears to win, I really believe, is for Nick Foles to play because he has the best chance for high-end play, and he knows how to be a game manager. Now, if Mitchie can step up and be a solid enough game manager, I think he can be a solid quarterback. But 
he's really got to show that. You can't go game one because we talked about it. We've talked about it on the show a million times. He eats up the Lions defense. Maybe that doesn't happen this year. Maybe it does. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're right. You're 100% right. You, you see, here's the deal is Mitch is going to start week one. I Do you disagree at all that Mitch is going to start week one? No. And we'll see what happens. I don't. And I'm 100% with Joseph for that reason. He went with the, it's the second overall pick and because they want to give him the shot. So he nailed that. It's his but, job to lose, in yeah. my opinion. And for the kid's sake, I hope he's figuring it out. And, you know, last year – I don't. I hope he sucks ass. (laughs) And last year, you know, I blame Matt Nagy a lot because he didn't run the ball. That offense was – there was no rhythm to that offense. You didn't know what was going to happen. Is it Montgomery time this year? Are we going to see Cohen? Is it going to be Cordero Patterson? What are we going to see out of this offense? First of all, first of all, the Cordero Patterson thing is embarrassing. I didn't want to necessarily bring it up like that to my man. But that's embarrassing as hell. Cordell Patterson at running back is a joke. So let's just hey. put that tonight. Look, no, no, don't say it's, a damn thing. We're putting that to sleep right now. Cordell Patterson's not a running back. Okay. He could hey. run for a thousand yards. Yeah, over a career. Over I 10 mean, football fields. Listen, I, I just, the thing is with the Bears, with me, I mean, I, I get the excitement, but that offense is terrible. And I, I will tell you right now, Nick Foles is maybe an upgrade, but they will they will hold on to, to Mitchie as far as they can, and it might just be too long because I don't think either either quarterback can win in this division. This division isn't as bad as people want to think about it. This division has some teams. Um, I just think that that come on, Cordell or Patterson, he's been in the league four hundred years. Yes, he's fast, but he's not. He can a, like, run. I don't. Okay. So, and he can run end to end. Go in between the tackles with the hog mollies and see what happens to him. <laughs> Pulling out the hog mollies tonight. Love it. That's all right. But yeah, I mean, plus this offensive line. What are you going to get out of him? Like you said, Massey and eh. Whitehair and Daniels, they basically switched positions 30 times last year. Charles Leno, great in 2018. He was terrible last year. But then you look at this defense. This defense is loaded. Khalil Mack, Akeem Harris, Eddie Jackson. Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. Cleo Mack was not Cleo Mack last year. No, that whole team wasn't who they should have been last year. Maybe he bounces back. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's going downhill. Maybe Matt Nagy deserves Chuck a needs. lot of hate, too, because Matt Nagy don't know how to run a damn offense either. Hey, we said it at the end of last year. We blame Nagy a lot. I was harder on him probably than Alan you Alan Robinson's a beast. Alan Robinson's a beast. You know, Alan Robinson's ball. a beast because look at the quarterbacks he's played with so far in Beautiful his career. Ball. He gets it's the terrible. ball, he makes plays, and yeah. For this team to win, though, it's 100% on what they get out of the quarterback play. I mean, with all teams it is. But for this team, they need a game-managing quarterback. They need someone to step up at wide receiver. Anthony Miller, I was a big fan of him coming out of Memphis. The dude is good, but he just hasn't put it together consistently on the football field. Bears over-under is eight. I actually have them under. I have them at seven and nine, six and ten kind of team. So I'm going to take the under on the Bears. Where are you at with their win total? One, two wins. One or two no, wins. No, I, I'll, uh, I got them in six and ten. Finishing six and ten. The, in, in the basement of the NFC North. Trash team. Cordell no Patterson. Please, please, please feel Cordell Patterson at running back. Hey, go on. BearGogglesOn.com. 
read that article. It was a pretty solid article. I did enjoy it. It's part of the reason why we had him on tonight. I love the guy. <laughs> he made, I'm, no, I'm just saying he made some good points with it, but I'm with you. I don't know if that works. But they got to do something to get that offensive going. Maybe they figure out, hey, maybe, maybe they go Daniel Kelly. quarterback that doesn't suck ass. <laughs> maybe they go the Daniel Kelly route. They don't punt, and they play two quarterbacks, Foles and Mitchie. The problem is Mitchie can't complete a pass over six yards. So if it's anything over that, you have to punt. You must. But he can, he can use his legs. That's what Mitch. If this team's going to be good and Mitch is going to start, he needs to use his legs again because that's what he stopped doing last year. And I think we need to move on from the Bears. Yeah, both of us I, lose our goddamn minds. So let's is, move on. Pisses me off. Let's that. move on to the team whose one pride logo is sitting right behind you, Lions of Detroit. Yeah. Fear the roar. Three twelve and one. They added a lot of guys. Desmond awesome. Trufant, two years, twenty one million. Javon Curse. Jamie Collins, basically, if you were a Patriot, they added you. Chase Daniel, Deron Harmon, Danny Shelton, and a tackle. They added five-year, $50 million deal for Halapulavati Vitae. And we just call him Big B. Hey, we just call him Big B, baby. That's what we call him. Yeah. <laughs> My goal was to be able to get it out and not stutter through it. I think I did all right. You did a good but job. The, you look at the guys they brought in. They're okay. They're solid. Maybe Jamie Collins can do something. Maybe Des Trufant mm -hmm. isn't going to be okay. But you look at the guys they lost. Three guys here that they lost I think are better than almost anyone they brought in. Darius Slay, Mike Daniels, and Graham Glasgow. I mean... Two. I can agree with two of those. I mean, I don't know what I mean, the hell you think Mike Daniels is. Mike Daniels, when he's, he's healthy... No, he's, Mike Daniels is a goddamn... He's, he's, he's a goddamn... Uh, he, he holds the, uh, a communion tray at church. At the, I mean, come on. He's not going out here. Listen, that. I've watched Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton, when Danny Shelton doesn't want to play, Danny Shelton's basically as me, good as me going out there. Danny's Jamie super Collins, nice. He doesn't want to play yeah, either. Exactly. So those guys, when they don't want to play, they're worthless. Danny Shelton, I ran into him at the airport. Rookie season. Huge dude. I'm like, what's up, Danny? He's, hey, how you doing? Softest voice, nicest dude, really chill dude. I hope his best because I like the kid. Really good player when he wants to be. Jamie Collins, if he gets pushed, can be solid, but he was terrible in Cleveland. But it's year three of Matty P, baby. 9-22-1 in his first two years, and the offense is a strength and the defense sucks. I mean, the offense looked good last year until staff went down. I mean, he was good, increased his average depth of target by four yards per throw. He looked more like a gunslinger. Than he had in years past. It was high risk, high reward. Your run game was okay. Carry on wasn't as good as we hoped, or as many hoped. I had him on like all my fantasy teams. I really thought he was going to be good, but he graded well in the pass game, and he's going to get spelled a lot this year. Wide receiver, you got the quiet weapon in Kenny Galladay, who not enough people still talk about, but one of the top vertical threats in the game. Marvin Lu or MJJ man. Marvin Jones, still a solid weapon. I mean, all this is great, but that defense, man, they play heavy man defense and it's just not worked out. What are your lions going to do this year? Take this over. I'm going to sit back and let you talk. No, 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 This you, I get the last word later. I get the last word on the lines. That's all I got to say about the lines. And, they're, I'm going to give you my over-under on them, and then I'll, yep. I'll get it to you. Their over-under right. is six and a half. And this is hard for me. 
because I'm a big staff fan. I like DeAndre Swift. I like the addition of Jonathan Williams. You still got Bo Scarborough. You got a bunch of running backs who can pound the ball. If staff stays healthy and if TJ Hawkinson steps up and can block and can get open and just be a guy in the middle of the field to open things up, I think the Lions can win eight games. But the defense, still something has to change on the defense. The over under six and a half, I'm still going to take the over. I have the Lions at seven and nine. And now it's your turn. You said if things go well, if things go well, they can go eight and eight. Oh, Christ. It's all the right. Lions and the Browns. Every time I talk Lions or Browns, I expect all hell to break loose. 2020, all these people are like, well, maybe next year will be better. Now they all know what it's like to be a Browns fan or a Lions fan. We're always hoping for next year. But yeah, I mean, personally, um, where do I start? All right. So, yeah, they lose Darius Slay. Uh, which isn't great. Graham Glasgow, which is one of the better guards in the entire league. So I don't like either of those. Um, however, you want to talk about the people they brought in. They brought in Desmond Trufant, Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins. I know Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, Nick, Will, you know, Nick Williams, Chase Daniel. So those are just the free agents they bring in. So Let's let's basically put it like this. So you have you have Jeff Okuda, they draft number one. Okay, you say, hey, he's Darius Slay's replacement, which he's not at this point of his career. Um, that's just not he he's going to have to build into into that cornerback position. Um, now, where things start to get a little bit more interesting is in the running back room, where they they did draft DeAndre Swift, who was probably the most elusive back in this draft out of Georgia, it does add a interesting, different element um, to, to it, it adds an interesting element to, to the one, two punch, what you think carry on Johnson, hopefully with less load on him, we'll be able to, uh, to run the football to me personally, where I love DeAndre Swift is in the passing game and his ability out of the backfield. I think he reminds me a lot of Alvin Kamara, uh, a little bit different build, but a little bit younger in the career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, listen, the Lions have issues. If we want to talk about the issues, it, 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 there's there's the elephant in the damn room, and every single every single Lions fan you talk to is going to say what the elephant in the room is. It, it's the defensive line. It's as simple as that. So they draft they draft Julian Aquara. Um, you, you, you have Trey Flowers, you like, there's nobody really in the inside. Yes. You, you want to plug in, you want to say Danny Shelton's in the inside. Danny Shelton's a mediocre ass football player in the NFL. We know what it is. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it over and over. So the, the problem with me is the lions, in my opinion, have not addressed the defensive line position enough this off season. The, 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 the Julian Aquara, pick from Notre Dame does excite me because I do think the dude has potential off the edge. Um, the Lions just have been banged up on the defensive line. But if you think of the draft, you add Cephas out of Wisconsin. I think the Lions are going to be decent. Um, I'm just worried defensively, man. I'm, I'm worried about getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I'm going to go nine and seven, nine, and seven. Give me the over. Homer pick. Give me the over. With the nine and seven. 
both of us going over. I got a seven and nine. You got a nine and seven. Listen, I love that offense. I'm a big staff fan. I have been a big staff fan for a long time. But that defense, it does worry me because I just don't know, not only player-wise, but scheme-wise. I mean, we've gone over the numbers, you know, the analytics part of the numbers. Well, they got to put pressure on the quarterback, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And Okwara, solid player, kind of reminds me of Barkevius Mingo. I hope he's way better. But he's a guy who definitely (laughs) definitely (laughs) has been – He's definitely a good player coming off the edge. And I think if Flowers steps up and can anchor that defense, it can open things up for him. But yeah, the Lions, I'm not the seven and nine, if things go well, it's mainly because of this division. I think this division is pretty jam-packed. I think they're all pretty solid teams. I don't have any of the teams winning more than 10 or 11 games. I don't think anyone's going 13 and three again. I don't think anyone's going three and 12 and one. So this is definitely a team. That can be all over the board, and it's all on Matt Stafford and what we get out of that defense and how much Matty P gets out of them. I mean, if this deep, I mean, this team they fired a guy who got to the playoffs to bring in Matty P, who's done absolutely nothing. I know you're a huge Matt Patricia fan, but I'm not, man. Okay, none of those things. <laughs> none of those things that you said. I mean, Lies. I'm not. I'm not a huge Matt Patricia fan. I'll tell you what. If he wins, if he wins 11 games, I'll be a huge Matt Patricia fan. Does Matt Patricia keep his job at nine seven? Matthew asks. What do you think? No. Well. No. Yes. Yep. He does. Nine and seven and no playoffs, or nine and seven no. and a wild card. Extra wild card. He, he will make playoffs 9-7. Yeah. That's my opinion. I, I think it's going to make playoffs 9-7. I think not. Well, we'll go on with the division, but I think the Lions finish in second at 9-7. I think that's a that's a wild card. And mm-hmm. I think if they make the wild card, then yes, I think he keeps his job. Do I like that, Matt Patricia? I bet you Matthew Graydon could tell you exactly how I feel about Matt Patricia almost <laughs> as much as you could. So that's where we're at. Okay, so I would love for Matt Patricia to keep his job because that means he isn't completely terrible. I'm going to rock this pencil behind my ear here, but yeah. Matty P at 9-7, and seven, he should be fired if the, unless they do make the playoffs at that. He should have been and, fired last year. What the hell are you talking hey, about? You did say that. You were on that train. And now, boys and girls, we we're going to move on to a brand new segment on the show. If I can get it to work. Yes, Damn. let's go. New segment. Oh. Backdraft. Oh. Backdraft, baby. Oh, there is. <laughs> this segment backdraft yes i am rocking the cool fire hat i gotta remove this little thing from the screen here give me a second and i will get this back on track but yeah backdraft 2018 lions draft with this segment we are going to go back three years in the draft so backdraft thus the name plus the cool fire hat from firehouse subs hey firehouse subs if you're watching this sponsor us we like subs. Anyway. We do. We the 2018 do. Lions draft. You go back three years. That's how you say you can really 
determine how good a draft is. You go back three years. So we are going to open this segment with the 2018 Lions draft. And in this draft, the Lions got one, two, three, four, five, six players, and all six of those players are still on the roster, which in itself is pretty impressive. In the first round, at pick 20, they took Frank Ragnow, center out of Arkansas. Second round, pick 11, Carrion Johnson out of Auburn. Round three, pick 18, Tracy Walker out of Louisiana Lafayette. Round four, pick 14, Deshaun Hand out of Alabama. Round five, pick 16, a guy I like that I didn't think would fall this low, Tyrell Crosby, a tackle out of Oregon. And in the seventh round, pick 19, fullback Nick Bowden out of San Diego State, who in 10 games has four catches for 17 yards. This draft, all six guys still on, which is impressive. This is a pretty solid draft for the Lions. Overall, you got three guys who start, four guys maybe. Tyrell Crosby, I think, is a guy who should be able to eventually start in this league. He's a rotational guy. He is a rotational guy. I mean, this is a damn good draft. This is a definitely a solid B draft. You don't have that top-of-the-line player. But you said it before. Who do you think is the best player in this draft class? This is Bob Quinn's draft. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is Bob Quinn's best draft that he had. The best player in this draft, Tracy Walker. He had, what, 103 tackles last year playing safety? Yeah, and, and keep in mind, too, you know, we talked about it, the the inability of the Lions to get to the to the, the quarterback. Um, all that does is 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 destroy defensive backs. Mm-hmm. I think Tracy Walker's fantastic. Came out of a smaller school. It was a great draft pick. Listen, yes, I know there was a carry under this. This draft class was Bob Quinn's best draft class. No questions asked about it. I mean, Frank Ragnow is is a damn good top 12 center in the league. That's all you want. Carryon Johnson. We'll see about Carryon Johnson. We'll see with his new – I feel like Carryon Johnson does not have to take the brunt of the carries this year. He'll be able to be a spellback with, uh, with, with DeAndre Swift, so I think he's going to be better. When it comes to to the later in the in that in that draft, Deshaun Hand, when healthy, can get pressure on the quarterback. It's that simple. He just hasn't been healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you like you said, Tyrell Crosby, he's a rotational offensive lineman in my opinion, and and he can he's a he's a plug and play, not a plug and pray. You know, he's he's a guy that you can put right in there, and and he's a great backup guy in any guard position. And then finally, Nick Bodwin is is going to be the starting fullback. So you look at this draft. I mean, we'll take this draft. This is a this is a backdraft of great times. Usually, it's backdraft of hell. You want to go to tease the tease Tabor draft, which is the year before. I mean, I'll sit here and cut my wrists. <laughs> it's a good thing we did 2018. Then we don't need to see that live on the pod, even though it might get good ratings. You never know. But definitely one of the better drafts for the Lions, as far as I can remember. And when we go back in these drafts, usually, especially with our teams, the Browns and the Lions, it's usually just it's awful to look back at. And I know it sounds like I'm just unbelievably amazed that all these guys are still on the roster in you know the third year, but that doesn't happen with a lot of teams. So for all six of these guys to still be on the roster, kudos to Bob Quinn on this. He hasn't got a ton right. Dude, Tracy Walker. But yeah, to be a beast. Look Tracy out. Walker, 
Lions fans, Tracy Walker, that dude. And the Ragnow pick, man, it's just a solid pick. You can't go wrong it with is. it. The kid's yep. going to be out there, lunch pail. He's going to put on his helmet and go to work every single day. Yeah, right. And ladies and gentlemen, that was our debut of our brand new segment, Backdraft. And now everybody, everybody appreciates your helmet too. They 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 do. I, I appreciate it especially. And now we will give me Swift over Johnson as a starting running back. Won't happen. Not in uh, not in a Matt Patricia ran offense. Carry on Johnson will be the starter um for the beginning of the year. But you're right. DeAndre Swift certainly has the uh, the possibility to take over that job. And I think the thing with carry on is yeah, he had the injuries last year, but he was also not playing with Matt Stafford. We didn't get to see who he really was. Rookie year playing with Matt, he was a lot better. But let's move on, continue our NFC North preview here. Let's go to the Vikings, second place last year at 10-6. and six. They lost a lot. They lost a hell of a lot. Stephon Diggs, Trey Waynes, Everson Griffin, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, all these guys are gone, all played big roles last season. And you added Michael Pierce, a fullback in C.J. Ham, Ezra Cleveland, Justin Jefferson. So for this team at 10 and six, their over-under is nine this year. And I'm looking at this team and I think Cousins needs to stay efficient if they want to do anything. He needs to stay efficient, kind of be exactly what he was last year. They need to make the play action work. Dalvin Cook needs to be healthy. He needs to be on the field. If they're giving him contract, they need to take care of it. Play action is how this offense will live and die. A guy I do yes. want to touch on here, Justin Jefferson's in. He's going to be the guy they look to replace Stephon Diggs. But he's not going to be – I don't think he's going to be great right off the bat. He's going to struggle he's off the bat. Not. A guy that no one's looking at that I want to look at is Tajay Sharp. This guy, when he was healthy with the Titans, he was able to make plays. Well, what I think he can do. Exactly, with Mariota. So it, this guy is a guy who can stretch the field, which I don't think anyone else on that roster right now does. I don't think Thielen's a guy who stretches the field. He gets open. He's a guy I think is going to make a key role in this offense if he stays healthy and opening things up underneath. Because underneath, you're going to have Thielen. You're going to have Irv Smith, who I think gets a better role this year. Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph is still there. Yeah. Hell of a duo at tight end. They complement each other. And when you look at the defense, your linebackers are solid in Kendricks and Barr. In the draft, they got cornerbacks in Jeff Gladney, who I think is going to start day one. Cameron Dantzler, who ran a horrible 40, but is a talented dude. We'll see if that 40 kills him. I mean, you got Harris, you got Harrison Smith. I mean, the back half of this defense good, but that front half, that front four especially, that defensive line, I'm not 100% sold on it. I can't see the Vikings winning 10 games this year. They're over-unders nine. I actually have them under. I've got them as an 8-8 eight and eight football team. Okay, perfect. I got them as 10-6 football team. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree that you're right. They, they have had some big losses. Um, they're still that defense is still anchored by Harrison Smith. They're still going to be able to, to apply pressure at the quarterback. Mike Simmer's a wonderful coach. Yeah. I think offensively, they're going to pound the football. Delvin Cook's health certainly plays a factor in any over under with the Minnesota Vikings um, because he's kind of the the bell cow. And, and you 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 alluded to it. The, the play action with that team is their their greatest asset, and that actually mm -hmm. offers the tight ends to run those seam routes or get to the outside of the hash marks. Um, I think that's very important to them. Yeah. The Stefan Diggs, it's, it's going to be a huge loss. Uh, and I think it's going to take a while, but Justin Jefferson to me is a very clean and, and proficient route runner. 
I think he'll fit right in. Um, I, I look for them to go 10 and six. That's definitely a possibility. I mean, they're anywhere between eight and 11 wins probably for me. So now that you said they're 10 and six, you had the lines at nine and seven. Correct. We're going to move on to the Packers here in a second, but I do want to touch on Justin Jefferson. I did say that. I don't think he's going to do well right off that, but by the second half of the season, I think he'll be very good. He is a very good player. Perfect fit for that offense. And they're basically, he said today to the media that they're basically running LSU's offense. So he's going to pick it up, but the speed of the NFL, it's going to take him a little getting used to. So the Vikings, you got him at 10 and six. I got him at eight and eight. This division, it's going to be tight. We'll see what happens here. Now let's move on to the team that was 13 and three. 13 and three last year, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. He's leading the team still. Matt LaFleur's first year. What are they going to do this year? They brought in Jordan Love as their first round pick. You know that they were not, or that Aaron Rodgers, who we do have on our t shirt store, which we have put up here a couple times. It's check out our new merchandise at bonfire.com backslash store backslash FCFS dash T's. We do have an Aaron Rodgers shirt up there, even though we can't call it that due to trademark restrictions. It does say Green Bay quarterback, and on the back it does say cockbag, which if you watched the show last week, you know that was Drew's thing, and it's hilarious, and we went with it. But this team, 13-3, and three, bring in Jordan Love as your first-round pick, which is weird because this is a team set up to win now. They added Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner, Mercedes Lewis, and Devin Funches. But they lost Blake Martinez. They lost Brian Bulaga. They lost... Geronimo Allison. They lost Jimmy Graham. I mean, at quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is still a stud. The guy makes easy plays work all the time. He seems to hit the plays when they're there, and he avoids negative plays. He doesn't turn the ball over. Aaron Jones, efficient as hell, a very good running back, even though he's not better than Dalvin Cook. And they added A.J. Dillon. 250-pound wrecking ball there to just pound the ball to spell Aaron Jones, which I totally like that pick. I think that'll come in handy. Eddie Lacy? Yeah, basically what he is, but just <laughs> run straight forward. That's all I need to do. And then they, at wide receiver, the wide receiver court's really weird because you've got Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, who is a stud in this league. And then you got a bunch of six five guys. It's like, hey, what are you? Hey, we're tall and we can run. You've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Devin Funches, Jake Kumaro, Equinamius St. Brown. I mean, all those dudes are like 6'4", 6'5", and can run. But are they going to be able to make plays? Are they going to be able to do anything for Aaron Rodgers? When you look at the defense, I mean, they're solid. You've got Jerry Alexander, Kevin King, Kenny Clark's a stud. They're really going to need Rashawn Gary to step up this year if they want to continue to be the top team in this division. This division is not easy. They're not going 13-3. and three. Their over-under is 9. And I have them at 10-6. and six. I'm going to take the over. And now I'm curious to see where you have them. Um, yeah, it's just a weird team. To me, to me, I worry about the team's chemistry. I mean, they basically said, hey, Aaron Rodgers, go to hell. They didn't, they didn't apply him with any sort of weaponry um, at all. When when it was all available, as we we alluded to on our 14-hour draft show, that, that wide receivers were plentiful. And they refused and refused to add a wide receiver. You want to give me Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Who, like, that's... MVS, baby. 
in the NBA, that's like Contavious Caldwell Pope. Nobody gives a shit. Um, listen, I mean, to me, I think the taste in Aaron Rodgers' mouth, I think things are kind of coming to a little bit of it. And, 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 and Aaron Rodgers is somebody that's going to show his feelings on his chest. Um, and I think as the season progresses, as don't get me wrong, A.J. Dillon looks like the second coach. The second coming of Bo Jackson, but I think he's the third coming of Eddie Lacy. <laughs> the third helping of Eddie Lacy. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll he'll end up eating Eddie Lacy. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I think to me the Packers take a step back. I I think they finished third in this division. Okay. Third at nine and seven. Uh, same record as the Lions, but we will we will beat them twice. So the over under is nine. You're taking the push on that one. Ain't no problem. This is an interesting division. I think any of these teams could actually win the division. If a few things. The Lions right. won't win the the Lions won't win the division. They haven't won the division since I can remember walking. Um, <laughs> so they're not going to win. But I think they can. I think they could finish second. I mean, I do. I, I and listen, that might be people saying I'm a homer picking the Lions to go nine and seven. But Jesus Christ, it's not fifteen to one. I mean, come on now. What am I doing here? Like it's not like I'm going crazy. No, I mean I picked him to go seven and nine, but I can see the nine and seven. So I mean I can't call you a homer on that one. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting division. A lot of fun to cover this division. Next week, you want to do NFC South or you want to go west next week? Oh South. Oh South. So we'll go we'll go south next week and then we'll finish our preview in two weeks with the NFC West. And then three weeks from tonight, I believe, Gronk. is football time. Football on a Thursday night to open the season, I believe. We have football in three weeks. We haven't and done a a show slash podcast since it, it, with a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just when we 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 hit full blown let's go mode. So I think for that week, three weeks from now, we should get our roundtable going where we talk about we'll do the Hall of Famer thing. We'll see who wants to talk Hall of Famers. We'll see who wants to come on the show. Maybe we'll get a roundtable of some sort going. We'll see who's interested in that. We'll talk more about it coming up. But I do want to give you an update. The Bla- or the Blazers are getting destroyed right now by the Lakers, 56-39 at half. And that sucks because I wanted to see the Lakers get swept. Everybody but wrong. before we do anything else tonight, anything else you want to talk about? Um, No, man. I, I'm excited. Uh, we'll, we'll move forward here. I'm, I'm hopefully football as is. Again, the Big Ten can suck one. We'll move on. Thank you to our guests. Absolutely. Thank you to Daniel Kelly. That's at Daniel Kelly book on Twitter. Check out his book. It's on amazon.com. It's on Barnes and Nobles. It is whatever it takes. The true story of an NFL fan making it to the NFL. I don't know if I hit the end part right, but it's something like that. It's whatever it takes by Daniel Kelly. So go ahead and find that. Let me figure it out. True story of a fan making it in the NFL. Daniel Kelly was a really fun guest because basically he can, he can talk. He's excitable. Dude. I love. I love. I love. A lot that of fun. Yep. And he's a. We're gonna have Michael. He's definitely an FCFS FOTS. Friend of the show. Yeah. Damn yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Joseph Herf, young kid, first time he'd ever been on a podcast. I mean, as a guest, I believe. Awesome. I to tried have him to not on. destroy him. I tried to not destroy yeah. his his Cordell Patterson. But listen, brother, if you come back, I'm going to wipe you up with the Cordell Patterson. Yeah. You better we'll come with better heat. 
we will warn him for that. And I do want to warn Daniel when he comes back on. We did talk about the Daniel or the Daniel Kelly thing with the Cleveland Browns. But he tweeted out that if he had the number one pick that year with the Browns, he would have taken Bryce Love number one. And I don't know if that was before the injury or after. So I do want to talk to him eventually about that. And if we have him on, maybe Bryce Love will have played a little bit for the Redskins or the Washington football team, the Washington namelessness at that Bryce, point. You keep that word out your mouth. <laughs> My bad. I apologize. I sound like Tom Brenneman over here. How about that? Did you see the Tom Brenneman thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's a home run. That it makes <laughs> yeah. I'm apologizing, I'm but I'm going to still call Nick Cassiano's home run. A lot of fun. Great show tonight, man. It was a lot of fun. We're at about an hour and a half, but it flew by for at least me. I hope for everyone watching it did. Thank you to everyone listening on the audio version. You can catch it on Spotify, iHeart, you name it. We are there wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Facebook, fb.me backslash FCFS pod. Hit us up on Twitter at FCFS pod at Detroit Dave seven at Somerville CLE. This is the full coverage football show. And remember, as always, if you live the life you love, you'll love the life you live. Good night, kids.